That guy could have torn your head off. What's the matter with you? Are you crazy? I'm not crazy. I'm just responsible. Oh, he's responsible. Responsible for what, huh? Every every clown that ever tosses a butt into the street? Yeah, responsible for butts and trash and pollution and toxic waste dumping in the dead of night for bushes and cactus and pippin apples and even lima beans, which I despise. I'll tell you something. You show me anyone who'll eat lima beans without being at gunpoint, and I'll show you a pervert. <laughs> well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And we are we have now commenced our summer of the Twilight Zone, now that we're well into summer. <laughs> uh, like a month late. Right. Well, no, summer doesn't start in Oregon until July 4th, so. That is true. And of course it rained I'm on July right. 4th. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> well, we always tell everybody, don't expect dry weather until after July 4th, so. Right. So we got it in at the last minute. But uh, when we did our last episode, which was Outer Limits focused and the Terminator focused, that was also Harlan Ellison focused. And it just happened that after we recorded it, Harlan Ellison passed away. And so we did that really quick jump in at the end to mention that. Um, it was not deliberate timing, but this one was. We decided, let's cover a Twilight Zone episode that is adapted from an Ellison story. And Colin found us an excellent one called Paladin of the Lost Hour, mm-hmm. which is, the story is written by Harlan Ellison, teleplay is written by Harlan Ellison, and it stars Danny Kaye and Glenn Turman, who is somebody that I knew I recognized him from something and I had to look it up. The last thing that I recognized him from was Super 8. Oh, really? Yeah, where he was the, the was old scientist who drove, you know, who, who crashed oh, really? the train. Oh, yeah. all right. Huh. And this is one of those cases, I think, where I'm not sure there's any point in talking about the two things separately. No, because as we've come to find out through our good friend Phil Nichols, mm-hmm. that the published version of the story that we all have access to mm-hmm. and the, uh, the Twilight Zone episode are exactly the same. They were co-developed. Right. Although subsequent research has kind of turned mm-hmm. up the fact that there is an earlier version of this. Right. And uh, kind of... Uh, Non-characteristically, right. the producers of The Twilight Zone convinced Harlan Ellison to change it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so I'll put a link in the show notes to Harlan Ellison actually writing about the development of this episode, because he came up with the idea for it based on an offhand comment from somebody about Daylight Saving Time stealing an hour from us. Uh-huh. And that's where the, the kind of the shell of the idea came from. He pitched Stolen. it. Stolen. Then he wrote the story and then got it published in, I can't remember what magazine it was published in. We should have these facts, but who cares? You can look it up. Google yes. it, everybody. You've got the power. Wikipedia can tell you. that We could look it up in Wikipedia and fix it in post, but we're not going to do that. Um, and then he adapted <laughs> it into the teleplay. And yeah, in the course of adapting it for the teleplay, he got feedback from the Twilight Zone producers and associate producers saying, you got the ending wrong. <laughs> and and there's, a, there's a good thing in here where he's, he talks about, you know, the phases of, of denial that he went through, um, yes. you know, and finally coming around to the idea that, you know what, they understood my story better than I did. My ending was wrong. So he changed it. And the version that we all read has the same ending as the story. I mean, sorry, as the Twilight Zone episode. Right. right. So I'm curious if there's anybody out there who's read the original, Phil. Um, let us know, what was the original ending? I think I kind of get the impression I know what the change was, and maybe we can talk about that as, as we go. Of course, we're going to have to be pretty, pretty spoiler-heavy in this if we want to talk about it at all. Um, it's 32 minutes out of your life. We found right. it on YouTube. I'm sure you can find it other places. This is not one of the Twilight Zone episodes from the classic series that is available on Netflix, so you're going to have to right. find it on... DVD or something. You too. It's probably on uh, <laughs> on like Amazon. You can you can buy an episode or iTunes or wherever. Sure. Um, and it's 
you know, one basically half of an episode of the Twilight Zone. I don't even, don't even know what the other half of it is. We should come up with the episode name or the episode number. I can find that. Colin will look that up, and it will be miraculously fast. It's uh, well, I'm, it's right here. Was it one sixteen? Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, one well, more guess. Was it eleven o'clock? <laughs> <laughs> Could be eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> uh, it's episode seven B, season one. Okay, seven B of the revised version, oh, yes. right? So the nineteen eighty right. series of the Twilight Zone. Oh, and seven. That's what I was saying. It, it could be one hundred and sixteen because I realized if you if we re, if you started counting if you didn't start counting mm-hmm. over in the nineteen eighty series, it might just continue uh, on yeah. to that number. But would well, that be interesting? I've never seen it numbered <laughs> that way, so I don't know. Yeah, oh. uh, there were, there are definitely more episodes than that in the classic series, right? Because so, it was like five seasons and twenty eight episodes per season, something like that. Yeah, because you know, no, I don't know if it was that many back then. I don't know. Different yeah. times. Yeah. Now it's like 22 episodes is your full season. Right. And, a, and a ser- uh, an episode is 22 mi- or 42 minutes long. Right. Where this was half of a full episode and it was 32 minutes, which that, that kind of blows my mind because it had commercial breaks. Maybe it was a whole episode. No, you said 7B though. Yes, there mm-hmm. was a 7A. Okay. Maybe maybe the other one was shorter. Sorry, we're rambling a bit. So let's talk about- <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> I mean, no, no real point in talking about the story, right? Because that's all we're going to do. We're going to talk about everything right. that had in common, which was- all of it? Yes. So what's it about, Colin? Uh, an old man is in a cemetery visiting his wife's grave, and he's attacked by a couple of punks. Yes. Punk one and punk two, to be precise. <laughs> I was going to say, I wanted, I wanted uh, Billy to step in and tell them to get back onto the set of Beat It, the video for Beat It. <laughs> uh, and this, this young man steps in and ends up saving the old man from being beaten and having his, his watch stolen. Uh, they become fast friends. Uh, we learn that the old man is Gaspar. He was there visiting the wife, uh, the grave of his wife, Minna. And the uh, the young man, Billy, was there visiting the grave of a soldier that saved his life in Vietnam. Right. They become close friends, confidants, mm-hmm. uh, to where they begin sharing very personal things about their lives with each other. Like, you know, how you handle it when people come into your house and ask you why you have all these books and if you've read them all. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and Billy shares that he has been burdened ever since Vietnam because uh, he was almost killed guarding an airfield. And this young soldier uh, sprang out of a bush and the people that were going to shoot him shot this other young man instead. Mm-hmm. And uh, it saved his life. And he felt like he'd never had a chance to uh, to thank him. He wondered why he got to live while right. the young man didn't. He didn't even know him. He, right. was, he was kind of stuck where he was. Mm-hmm. We come to learn that Gaspar is holding... Uh, a watch, and that watch has the lost hour. Right. And if the hour is allowed to come to pass, if the bell tolls, all the world, all the universe as we know it will end. Yeah, it's like the doomsday clock. Exactly. Um, except that uh, he's dying, and if he doesn't pass the watch off to somebody before he dies, the wa- the clock starts ticking, and the uh, world will end. And he has selected Billy to become the new guardian, the new paladin of the lost hour. Right. Yeah. So, interestingly, in the story, it mentions, and we've talked about this kind of thing about how canonical is something, right? Uh-huh. Where what somebody looks oh, okay. like, sure, sure. described in a story, I don't give a crap mm-hmm. in a book how right. someone is described the way they look, unless it's really, really important. Like if they have distinctive scar, or if it's a like know, Harry Potter scar. pertinent to the plot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you, if you did Harry Potter without him having the scar, that would be weird. Yes. Um, or you did, you know, a, a Cyclops who had two eyes. That would be strange. <laughs> but the story says that one of the men is white and one of the men is black, but it right. never tells you who is who. Yep. 
um, which is interesting because then in adapting it, the people had to decide, first of all, if they were going to stick with his description that one was white and one was black. And I think it's important enough to the story that I would mm-hmm. argue you need to keep it. Mm. But in this case, they decided to have Gaspar, the old man, be white, played by Danny Kaye, yep. and Billy be played by a black man. And that works because there's the whole responsibility thing and them being different, right? And Billy's still taking responsibility for this old white guy that he didn't know from Adam. Yeah. I'd be curious. Would you know, it have been different if it was an old black guy? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, 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 do white people tend to right. be more xenophobic, more, more racist? I don't, it probably depends on who you ask and who yeah. you know. I don't know. Something to think about. Yeah. Let us know. Are white people more racist? <laughs> <laughs> well, we represent more of the, popul- uh, the, the population of the U.S., and so based on population right. alone, yes. Is the, is the By rate, who knows? But, um, yeah, you take, take a white person, are they going to take care of that old black mm-hmm. person in the, in the cemetery? I think it might have probably been more powerful for him to be a black person, the way it was in the, in the, in the show, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a kind of Good Samaritan kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, totally, when he steps in? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking more of it from a society standpoint, and probably when that was written. Well, yeah. when the show was aired, I should... I, and of course, we're coming at this with the perspective of three white dudes. Right. Um, yeah. You know, so, who were, at you know, at most teenagers when this came out. <laughs> so... Right. Or or barely existent. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think I was a, a tween. So. <laughs> so, what do we want to talk about, about this? Well, I learned through this episode that you are a pervert. I am a pervert. I, I will eat lima beans without being at gunpoint. Um, I have always liked lima beans. I, I make no excuses. This is just, it is, it's the way I'm wired. Like we used to get like the vegetable medley, like the bird's eye vegetable medley, oh, yeah, frozen, yeah. frozen stuff. And, you know, with green beans, carrots, and lima beans. And <laughs> corn. Corn, yeah. And right. I always save the lima beans for last. I always liked them the best. I'm sorry. Yeah. I always save the lima beans for last, too. <laughs> to give them to me, right? But they stayed on the plate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Carla Nelson was not a fan of Danny Kaye. He did not like the fact that Danny Kaye was here. He wanted like... Um, oh, yeah. oh, really? Burgess <laughs> Meredith or... Yeah. Um, well, and he said he wrote the Billy part in the screenplay specifically for... Glenn Turman. Glenn Turman, which is interesting, because that was yeah. also what happened in huh. Demon with a Glass Hand. He wrote that for Robert Culp. Oh, interesting. And I, I'm now I'm curious uh, enough to know yeah. if he did that on an ongoing basis. Like, he said, mm, yeah. I think this person would work well in this role. Right. And they just kept using doing that again and again and right. again. Sure. And Turman did a great job he of acting it out, yeah. you know. And I wonder... Harlan Nelson, on the, in the hmm. article that I'll put in the show notes, he does not specify what he didn't like about Danny Kay. But it may have been that kind of comedic sensibility that Kay had that lightened things right. in, in places. But I felt like in the somber por- portions of the other thing, he was, he it was worked. really good. It worked, yeah. So Yeah, when he's talking about losing Minna mm-hmm. and how... Uh, he knows that when he dies, that will kind of be the end of both of them. Right. Yeah. I wanted to talk, I wanted to, to get your opinion on that, just because, you know, Colin and I both have kids, and so there, there's a certain immortality in that, right? Um, immortality! Yeah, or, or, I mean, just a sense that mm-hmm. um, when my life is over, something of me continues. Right. Right. And to some extent, something of us continues in people that we know, right? right. But he, he says that, right? We never had kids, and so when we die, right. and we didn't, um, you know, all our friends are already dead. We didn't do anything earth-shattering, you know, didn't become president or something. So, so James, <laughs> knock your wife up. Come on. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> Does that have any impact on you? No, not really. It doesn't bother me. Okay. Much, much like they say in the show, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. <laughs> and James has a heart of stone. Yeah. So. No, he just doesn't lean that way. No, no, I mean, like, like 
we just have one kid, right? And I, and I feel like that's that's all our eggs in one basket, um, <laughs> and and so so kind of all our hopes are on him, right? And and it's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. Yeah, you know, I've got two, so I can send one to Massachusetts. Right. Yeah, <laughs> You've got a spare, right? Keep the other one close to the chest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, keep them in cold storage. That's exactly. another episode. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> I really like the chemistry between Danny Kaye and, and Glenn Turman. Yes. I thought they I thought they acted really well together. Yeah, yeah I thought that uh, Danny's uh, zaniness worked really well for one particular scene where they're walking along the street and this car pulls up right, fr- right in front oh, of yeah. him and the guy throws a cigar out the window <laughs> and Danny uh, Gaspar picks up the cigar and throws it into the guy's mm-hmm. back seat. Right. And in the story, it, it embellishes that a little bit more. And yes. I, it wasn't horribly different to pull it out but then there's this soliloquy about how he's responsible for things yeah he was responsible for the president he was responsible for the dance troupe at the sands hotel and their choreographer right. and it's just <laughs> delivered with that danny k yeah. um timing yeah that it does so well on, on a lot of things yeah by the way if you're a smoker just, I mean, don't don't flick your butts. Seriously, it's, the world is not your ashtray. I flick I li- my butt all the time. <laughs> I liked I liked the way he said this. You dropped this in our living room, right? Yeah, yeah. And also, don't litter. I mean, just you know, non-smokers don't litter. Colin and I go disc golfing all the time, and there's crap all over the ground. There's cigarette oh, butts, yeah. beer cans that we pick up. Yeah, pavement pounder public service announcement. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Dum 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 dum. <laughs> this is a very special episode. <laughs> Take me to your reader. Yes. Uh, well, it's about responsibility, right? It is, and it, you know, Gaspar carried a pretty big one, and it's weird that he couched that seriousness in this very light tone. Right. Maybe that was you know Ellison's objection to it. He should have had had more dignity, well, more. He, he kind of did that in the book, though, a little bit. I it's think it's the same. It's the That's same. Rant, I, I, right? felt, I felt in the story that he, he still had that little like. Goofiness to him. And so I think to harp on Danny Kaye for that would be wrong and maybe irrelevant. Yeah. So, but like we said, we don't know why he actually wrote No, and he didn't, he didn't yeah. say it. And I, I, I appreciate that. It would have been interesting. Um, because but, yeah. to, to crap all over it for people who enjoy it. Because, sure. Because Kaye got praise mm-hmm. for that performance. So, yeah. And it was one of his last television performances. So he was on The Cosby Show at some point. He played a dentist. Yep, he did. Um, <laughs> and then he was on a, like a TV miniseries called Skokie. Um, hmm. I think it was about anti-Semitism, well. but uh, yeah, Danny Kaye gone too soon. I've I've said it before that Danny Kaye <laughs> is my favorite performer of any time period. So because I've seen a lot of his films and right. I didn't like all of them, but the ones that I really like, I really really like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and if anybody's out there and you want to start a Danny Kaye podcast, just let me know. <laughs> as long as you'll do the editing and I can just come on and talk about it, that'd be that'd be fantastic. <laughs> So, how much Harlan Ellison have you guys read? Have you read stuff beyond the requirements for our podcast? Or I have. I have read um, Deathbird Stories, which was one that was on sale a couple weeks ago after he died. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a collection of some pretty dark stuff. I mm-hmm. mean, there's, there's a lot. I always found his stories compelling. Um, I won't say enjoyable, because a lot of them are depressing or dark. Um, I think, I think that's it, though. I've, I've read that and. I don't think I have no mouth and I'm a scream was in that collection, but I've read that as well. And that and, story or that collection, uh, just the story. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Right. So, just the story. None. Yeah. <laughs> None. So I read the I have no mouth, but I'm a scream collection. Okay. And I also read uh, a boy and his dog. 
uh, a boy and his dog. Right. And repent, Harlequin, cried the TikTok man. The collection? Uh, the story. Oh, okay. The uh, illustrated kind of like graphic novel version. Mm-hmm. And I, I would agree with you. A lot of his stuff is really dark. In fact, everything we've done for the podcast mm-hmm. has been you know quite dark, mm-hmm. um, very introspective, mm-hmm. very um, moody. And so to have this story coming about with this touching relationship between these this, this old man and this young man mm-hmm. almost seems out of character. But then it makes me wonder, you know, what, what am I missing from the rest of his stories? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because this one's quite delightful, I think. <laughs> yeah, it is. So. And uh, and it's all, you know, I figured a, a Colin would approve of this one, how close it is. <laughs> and of course, it's written by the same guy. And, yes. And then right. the change made to it was made to the story. And so the version that we saw was, or that we read was the same version that we saw. So are you going to tell us what you suspect the alternate ending was? Yes. I suspect that Billy granted him the minute in the original story to, to say goodbye to his wife. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, hmm. really? that you know, that would be wrong. That's that's my suspicion. But to what end? Well, the, this the, is this is the part of yeah, um, yeah, Ellison saying okay. that that he misunderstood the the whole thing about responsibility, right? right. Where where it would I mean I wrote, I wrote in my notes I wrote I would have given him the minute. You know, after after watching the episode, I was very touched by his whole story. I would not have given him the minute. And responsibility expects no reward. Very nice. Yeah. I like that. Where does that come from? With great power comes great responsibility. Come on, man. Oh, <laughs> Spider. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but in reality, that's why I said to what end. Responsibility expects no reward. Yeah, no. I, I get the other side where he gives the, I don't know, the black guy. I don't know his name. <laughs> Billy. 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 Thank you. He gives he gives Billy a minute because. Yeah. He needed it. He, he needed it yeah. to be able to take the mantle that he's now being right. bequeathed. Yes. Well, this is an uncharacteristically serious James we're getting here. Like the, the alcoholic haze has lifted for a moment, and uh, no, it's yes. a, uh, the alcoholic haze has enlightened me. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yes. <laughs> what, what, what did the uh, what did that guy who wrote us the, the he wrote us an email and, and talked about uh, James' laconic delivery and then true. and he said it's true. Yeah. Then I've I've come to realize it's the alcohol soaked nature of a true poet or something. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. <laughs> See, I thought I thought the difference would have been that he didn't give Billy the minute and left this man who was burdened this ongoing temptation to use mm. the watch. Don't want to break yeah, the poor guy. Be. I don't so somebody needs to let us but know. Maybe, have you yeah. have you read the original version of it? Can you tell us what the difference was? And we'll look for it as well. If we had known that there was a difference before today, right. I think maybe we would have found it. But yeah. We didn't know. And we're nothing if not not thorough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So going back to what you were saying, though, Colin, about the commonality between all the stories. Yeah. There's definitely that strong, like, anti-war thing going on. Yes. Oh, yes. That's a common right. theme. And that's been... So the, the four that I can recall off the top of my head that we read, or that I read anyway, is The Mouth... I have The Mouth and The Scream. This one, um, the Terminator one we just read, and A Boy and a Dog. You're right. And those are all, like, terrible outcomes of war. Yes. This one less so, but you still get the horrible memory of the dude. Being traumatized by Vietnam, right? Totally. Yeah, that's in there. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're all, and even in the other ones, I mean, there's the lack of responsibility being taken by leaders and government. Yeah. And, you know. Hmm. Yeah. So so in, in a sense, you're saying right. it is consistent with his other work. I think so. It's just yeah. the tone is different. Right. It's just a, from a, a, almost like a different perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So you should you should borrow my nook sometime <laughs> and uh, read that collection because there's a story in there and I think it's called Little Sally Silver Eyes, hmm. 
And I don't remember there being any mention of war in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more about uh, gambling and other kinds of things. But okay. but still, yeah, very dark. Very. Right. I mean, it almost – I'm surprised he considers yeah. himself a writer of – or is considered a science fiction, speculative fiction writer. Yeah. Well, it might not even be anti-war, just more towards the – I'm leaning towards the responsibility thing. Mm-hmm. Because war war happens when people lose responsibility, basically. Right. There you go. That's my soliloquy for the day. <laughs> you soliloquize with soliloquize, soliloquate. You speak good. Yes. My my point of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Lucidness. There you go. Lucidness. Right. My moment yes. of lucidity. Yeah. That was Sunday. <laughs> yes, July eighth, and that's it for the summer, folks. <laughs> right. So yeah, this is an enjoyable one, and it's a quick read. A quick watch. Yep. So, good one to check out. I'm not going to put a link to the video because it's on YouTube, and you should try and find it in some licit place. Yes. But we're not going to judge. Although we are responsible for internet uh, <laughs> net neutrality, right? And, and, uh, and creators getting paid for their creations, so. Yes. You you can find the latest version of Paladin of the Lost Hour online on Harlan Ellison's website. Yes. But it, there's a note right at the top which says that should you decide to read this, they expect you to hie yourself to the nearest bookstore and grab a copy of it just to hold yourself accountable. Right. <laughs> and definitely don't copy it. Right. Yeah. Right. Cool. Uh, do we want to rank them? It doesn't make any sense to rank them? No. Why not? We always rank. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, yeah. TV story just because Danny Kay, uh-huh. and, and I love Glenn Turman too. He was great in it. So fair enough. I'll go with story TV. Okay. I enjoyed the mystery of not knowing who was black and white. Yeah. <laughs> I felt the story was so canonical that the television medium actually added quite a bit to it okay. with the music and the cinematography. Um. The delivery of, of what was said, not mm-hmm. just, you know, reading it in, in my own head. So yeah. I'm going to go TV story, All right. uncharacteristically. Nice. Okay, so uh, the summer of the Twilight Zone has begun. And it shall continue. I did, I did send you guys a link because there was a Richard Matheson collection that contains at least, I think, four Twilight oh, Zone yeah. right. episodes. Yes. So we could do that. We could look for more Harlan Ellison. The, the actual, the first episode of the revived Twilight Zone was also Harlan Ellison. Which one's that one? Shatterday. Shatterday. Oh, was it that one? I don't. I know there was one that was the first one. Shatterday, I think, is the one that has Bruce Willis in it. You're really? right. When he was still just a TV. Oh, star. I got to do that one. <laughs> Shatterday Willis, might Bruce, be hard. Willis, Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can get in the library. I'm, I'm sure I guess I could just watch Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> We've done that already. We've done our, yeah, our service for, uh, for Bruce and Country. <laughs> if I can watch Die Hard again, <laughs> yeah. go for it. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll see. We'll, we'll let you know on social media what we're going right. to do. Yes. We have not decided yet. And hopefully we can do that in the next couple of weeks because our travel itineraries are all wonky. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, this is true. So we will try to have an episode ready at the end of every month. Or sooner. Or sooner. Yeah, I could post it early before I go to California. But I think there's a Die Hard remake coming out. No. It's with the rock in it. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, that one's Die Hard in a building, though. <laughs> Die Hard is in a building. I know. Okay. Well, you always used to hear that, right? It's Die Hard yes. on a ship. It's Die Hard on an airplane. <laughs> oh, right, you know? right. And yeah. so then I heard somebody talking about this. Oh, yeah, Die Hard on a ship was that movie with Steven Seagal. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, or on a train was 
I don't know. When I first saw the, the trailer for with the, Steven Seagal. The Rock, that's what, totally what I thought it was. This is yes. Die Hard. Come on. Right. No, but I heard somebody say, it's Die Hard in a building. Yep. <laughs> Perfect. Really? We have come all the way back around. Yep. Full circle. Yep. Uh, what's that one called? Skyscraper? Uh, yeah, Skyscraper. Yeah. Very creative. You're right. It's Indeed. probably based on a story. We should, we should find out. <laughs> so... I was saying earlier that we're starting the summer of the Twilight Zone late, and so this may bleed over into fall. We'll see how mm. how long this carries on because it's easy to do these. True. It would be nice to get. That's back kind to, of fun getting back to like yeah. retro sci-fi. Exactly, um, and it would it would be good at some point to get back into doing full books as True. well. Um, my reading docket is fuller because of having to read full books for the Hugo's right. podcast. Oh right, right. But, uh, you know, I could actually dedicate myself and get my reading done early instead of having to continually push out the date of that one. <laughs> Negative. This is not adapted. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I'm sure something this Yes, it is. It's adapted from so. Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a mini episode. <laughs> Just comparing and contrasting. <laughs> Consisting of, we sit down, welcome to t- Take Me to Your Reader. It's not Die Hard. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Blessings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sheesh. <laughs> okay. All done? All yep. Good? Let's call it. Bless us and let's head out. Okay. Well, uh, thanks everybody for listening. And follow us on Twitter at Pavement Podcast. Shoot us an email, feedback at pavementpodcast.com if you have read the story and you want to tell us what the original ending was, because that would be awesome. We'd like to know that. Yes. Dispel our ignorance. It, it may cause brief periods of lucidity to fall on all of us. <laughs> We're looking at you, Phil. Come on. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, anyhow. Until next time, we'll leave you with the Pavement Pounders Twilight Zone blessing. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the last hour not expire. Yep. Yep. Love it. Okay, thanks. Bye, everybody. Ow. Now he gave us the clap. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) 